Is this thing on? Okay, let's get the show on the road. Okay. <laughs> and welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Carving, or Carving and Coffee, Coffee and Carving, That's episode right. number two, with Doug and Alex. Yep, yep, Dan and Alex. Dan and Alex. So, episode number two. I, uh... Just finished listening to uh, the last week's air, and uh, we'll get there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get there eventually. We'll get there. We'll get there. It's all good. <laughs> but, but anyway, as we do, what what have you been up to, man? Haven't uh, talked to you for at least twelve hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just you know the usual, really a lot of carving um not as much as i wanted though today i was running around buying a router and uh, uh trying to figure out my internet connection and all that fun stuff here in the studio but finally got that figured out and run, ran some errands and talked to a good buddy who is uh inspired carver abby peterson he always gets me going. I get off the phone with him and I feel like I should be doing better. He was going on about how uh, he's got this. Do you have, have you ever met anyone whose way of talking is so hypnotic? It's hard to like focus on what they're saying. It kind of lulls you into, you know, <laughs> it's such an interesting way of talking. Yeah. I don't have the problem with you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Doug the insult comic. Yeah. <laughs> he's a uh, he's got this like southern accent and he's warm. He's inviting. Oh, I love I am I am a such a fan of accents. People people say that uh, Canadians have an accent or you can tell a difference. I can't tell a difference from me to you. But right. uh, when I hear a little twang or a little any kind I I I I wish I had an accent. Uh, well, you definitely you do have an accent, but um, and I like your accent, your Canadian things. You've just, it's more of a subtle something about O's and uh, OU's especially. Uh, and I don't know what else it is, but there are a number of things that you guys say way off, way, way wrong off. way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. You're you're weak. Yes. Yeah, but Abby was saying, man, I just uh, he's like, I don't understand how Carver's just kind of get in a rut and start producing stuff and not wanting to grow. It's like, I could never imagine not wanting to be better. He's like, I'm almost obsessed with it. Just the getting better. It's just, it's like all I can think about is how can I make better art? How can I improve? And, and he's fantastic already. And he's, uh, he's so good. He's so good already. He does. If you, there's a YouTube video I put up of us collaborating on a carving, but he just about, you know, finishes these massive, I don't know, four foot tall sculptures with a chainsaw in about in an hour or two, you can knock something out. That's, and I'm still, I've been looking at this carving because I've been finishing it the last few days by hand and with some power tools. And the more I look at it, the more I notice all these little subtle things that he did with the chainsaw, the way he took the tip of the tool and dug in in certain spots to create deeper texture and, and, 
kind of turned the face slightly to the side and hollowed out underneath it to create this kind of arching form. And it's, it's high art, man. Those chainsaw carvers, especially Abbey, they have incredible skill. It's easy just to kind of look at it and go, oh, you know, it's kind of a rougher thing, but it takes a lot of talent to do that sort of carving. What are you carving that the, your thing that you're showing on uh, social media there? Is that cedar? Yeah, Western red cedar. Yeah, see, I'm, uh, I have uh, extreme jealousy for chainsaw carvers because I don't even, don't even pretend to be a chainsaw carver, but I've attempted a few different things. Yeah. And uh, uh, the only thing I really have available is in our, our own bush here. And it's all the old dead ash, which is not only dead, but dry. And it's just rock hard. Like that's not chainsaw carving material. No. So it makes it makes the job um, much more difficult. I'd love to get into some nice white pine or something and just eat it eat it up quick. But yeah, I was surprised going down there. I was asking him what his favorite wood was to carve, and he said white pine. And I was like, no, 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 like hand carve. He said, yeah, white pine. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I'll be dipped. <laughs> My uh, East Coast favorite carver, uh, Kevin Coates, is a he carves pine, white pine, just for his all his little statues and little men and lumberjacks and stuff. Yeah, yep. Beats me. To me, it's a. I guess it's whatever you get used to, because yeah. uh, I know I I carve pine here too once in a while, but I would, if it was a, between good basswood and pine, it's I take the basswood all day long. Right. But uh, if you get used to cutting pine, I just find it splinters a little bit more than the basswood would. But yeah, even but those... it, also, it also holds more detail if it's harder. So right, I don't know. All those old Italian guys are the or over in Ortesi, Ortesi. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Um, they all use mostly basswood or lime wood is what they call it over there yeah yeah and those those life-size sculptures but i'm pretty sure most of those uh quebec canada type carvings i think they're probably all pine too yeah you know you see those in every store around here that the the quebec folk folky carvings you ever see that? oh yeah no they're like uh they're kind of they're kind of cheap they'd be more in souvenir shops but someone's carving them but they right. must just have like some kind of a assembly line of these right. carvings because there's hundreds in every store right yeah but and yeah. that's the thing that's another thing about carving it's hard when you get into i imagine really any sort of art form not to think at to think about what you're doing from a almost a manufacturing mindset or like a cranking out as much as you can uh kind of a mindset that can take away from what you're doing i you're remember lucky. when Go ahead. I was just going to say, you're lucky that you, I don't think you've have had to deal with that, right? Or have you? One time I thought I'd make uh, 12 uh, little uh, hillbilly fridge magnets. I was going to give them to everybody, but I was going to make 12 identical fridge magnets. And I got six done. And then I just took the last six and just went crazy. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't uh, keep myself to just doing the exact same thing on every one. Right. It was just, just, yeah, I hated it. Well, the sad part is 
that's the best way to make money or one of the better ways if you're an artist to make money is production for sure for sure because yep. you get it down pat you know exactly how to do what you're doing yeah and you get efficient oh yeah like i see some sand carvers who just carve sand clauses and i'm a little bit jealous because right. they only get better and better and i'm sure they're whipping them off in record time you yeah. know if you only do one here and one there it's whatever you get used to you yeah know? it's a trade it's a learning your trade and uh, applying it and doing the same same thing over and over you can only get better right or you get tendonitis <laughs> or both better yet or both. <laughs> But, you know, it's tough because you can't really be original and be a production artist. No. It's hard to. Well, unless it's your... Well, right. That uh, leads me into a conversation we should have after this. But, uh, yeah, the uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't mass produce something that wasn't your carving. Yeah. Right? Right. I can't That's imagine... True. I can't imagine taking a, a someone's pattern and then just making 100 of them. <laughs> I've, seen it, I've seen it done. Yeah. But, but I mean, everyone's well, stealing from somebody. I mean, I mean, that's not always true, right? A lot of, you look at, maybe we've talked, I'm getting deja vu. I think I've said this before in a podcast recording recently, but people that, great artists don't, they don't listen to, well, at least when they're recording, a lot of great musicians, when they're interviewed, they don't listen to a lot of music, right? And a lot of a lot of comedians don't listen to other comedians. And a lot of artists, they don't look at a lot of other artwork when they're producing because they're afraid that if they take something in, they might just immediately process it through and copy, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But everything that you do is just a synthesized copy of a bunch of people's work, as long as you're copying a lot of people, not just one person. Well, okay, let's... I, I've uh, that's funny. I'll take my turn this week, but I've been in uh, I've been in a couple conversations this week, yeah. and this would be very interesting to get your take on it, because obviously I come from the silly, more character style carving area, and you come from art, like realism, right? Right. So you are carving an object, and if you were two artists carving the same object. You don't really have, uh, well, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, address me, but I mean, you don't have a style because you're going for what you see. You understand what I'm saying? So right. in the character world, like if, so say I would have a, a crook in my mouth or I'd have a, a way that I do my eyes or a way that I do my clown ears or whatever I do, it's exaggerated and it actually becomes my style like you can take a flat plane but that's 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 a general style but it'd be more like how you do some features that becomes your kind of like your your calling card you know you, i know guys i can look at their work i don't even have to look for a signature i know exactly who carved it right so how does that go in your world mm. whereas you are trying to do if you both had a portrait to carve of say say uh just name one of your 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 einstein right if two guys were carving einstein could you tell that it was yours or just by the 
I guess the quality of your work would tell whose it was. Hmm. But is there, there's nothing you can't exaggerate or a detail. Yeah. <clears throat> well, when you're going for realism and you're like me, you're, you're trying to get towards realism, but you're not trying so hard that you're measuring most of the time, right? So every version of, of a person, of, or say Einstein, every version that I do of Einstein is gonna be different because I'm just staring at a few pictures and trying my hand, my impression of it. So I might, and you can see in that last carving I posted on Instagram, I'll post it here. It's stretched out, the face is a little wide. Um, you know, doesn't exactly look like Einstein. Most people, when they look at it, they can tell who it is. So it's kind of a, it's kind of like the way that you miss the mark consistently ends up, or maybe you could say your limitations end up becoming your style when you're doing realism, you know, whatever it is that you, you're attempting at doing a lot of times you fall short in the same ways. And so that ends up becoming your signature. See, I've never once thought about what it is that I do as being original or forward thinking at all but you know it probably isn't <laughs> but hey hopefully it is and if it is in any way it's hopefully by virtue of having a certain hang-up that I can't get over and that and that's just the way that I approach things of course you want to grow out of that and make better and better art but you'll still always have some sort of way of going about things some way of seeing things or some proclivity towards presenting things in a certain way so uh, it's like that C.S. Lewis quote. It's like basically an, an artist objects to an objection should be seeking the truth more than anything else. It, it, it's less to do with attempting at originality because you'll always kind of fall short if you're trying to be totally original. It's just try to tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. So I guess, yeah, it is, there are, that's, there is differences in, in, in the carvings because, like you said, totally. like, when I see, maybe this is what it is. Maybe when I see your carving on the cover of uh, Wood Carving Illustrated, I know it's yours already. Yeah. But really, only because it's so good. Thanks. I just I don't like complimenting you, but that's the truth, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, when I, see, you. I see something of such quality, I say, "Oh, that must be Alec," and I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But in the character world, people have their calling cards mm. carved into their carvings. Hmm. So, for example, so I was in one conversation and uh, somebody was saying that somebody else totally copied their, uh, their carving and, and call it their own. And there's bits and pieces that are very possibly is the case, right? But then on the same hand, I had someone contact me who had made a video and they were accused of copying me. And I went back and looked at their video and I said, oh, no, absolutely not. Like a face is a face. There's nothing, there's nothing stolen. But even to go even farther than that, my, this is like, I'm still green to all this stuff and I don't know very many carvers personally at all. So I don't have any, uh, any inputs. So uh, people can feel free to uh, share their insight. But like, let's say I took a class from you and you taught me how to carve. Does everything that I carve for the next 55 years <laughs> be credited to you? 
<laughs> of course. No. Right. I, I know some no. of the old time carvers may that they'll uh, attribute like Pete LeClaire really helped mm-hmm. them get going and started carving or whatever. But then like does every carving you just collect influences from different areas, I feel. Yeah. And if you're putting if you're teaching somebody, I guess you have to be free to let it go too. I don't know. It's uh I, I pondered it a long time this week. In fact, one of the conversations really bummed me out. And I was like, well, what, what is right or wrong? Because you can't claim an ear here or a foot here. It's just carved, you know? You've seen, maybe you see something here or there and you pick up something here and there. But uh, my goodness, if you start going through and you have to attribute every body part to someone different, <laughs> that's, that's, that's awful, right? Yeah. So I and think then, that what you're saying is, I guess when you carve, you just you're you you have to strive. Your goal should be just to be undeniable in what you carve. Hmm. And I don't know. Hey, that's a really good. That last thing you said, I think there's truth to it. If you if you can just be really good at a particular thing, you know, a lot of times people will notice that and attribute you attribute work to you because it's done really well i that's that's ideal but i don't know what it is i mean think about the guys like the rembrandts of the world where it must have stunk to be one of their students because forever in history it's like now you're a student it's like when you go to the gallery it's like student of rembrandt from the from the workshop of rembrandt (laughs) no one knows i mean sometimes you get the guys who are credited for that stuff but yeah i mean i guess if you're good enough and you're and you're legendary enough you know all the folks that study with you fall in your footsteps and maybe that's and i don't know if i don't know if it takes away from an artist to really study and admire one person for a very long time i don't but i don't think it does i think it only adds to the artist because i think about those guys you know i've told you a lot about patrick burke i don't know if you remember at least but this crazy talented carver who's working out of Wisconsin doing these uh, architectural carvings for a living. But then also on the side, he just so happens to be one of the best portrait carvers in the world. And he studied with Bruno Wolpoth and he studied with all these guys over in that little village in Italy, uh, Ortesi, where if you look at their carvings, they look like they're about to come to life. I mean, it's, unbelievable the type of work that they're doing it's just completely stunning so you know he doesn't even use those faculties that he learned but he has that in his back pocket you can reach in and when he's doing a cherub on architectural carving i mean Mm -hmm. it's the best cherub ever and you know it's a burke because it's like holy crap that is stunning yeah then it's i to me i think you know well it's because he spent so much time with the Brunos and who else, you know, all those guys out there. So studying under people for a long time is I've always kind of been averse to it. Cause I don't like the idea of sitting under somebody. I just kind of want to learn on my own. Uh, but part of me is thinking, man, I need to go out there and study with Bruno. Yeah. But then there again, I still, I'm still drawing the distinction between the character carvers. Yeah because of the exaggerated features 
Right. They're not trying to copy a cherub perfectly. They want the cherub to be riding a donkey. You know what I mean? It's something <laughs> like, right? It'll be something goofy and silly. Right. But I don't. Uh, anyway, it's just something I've been really thinking through. Like I said, one of the conversations really bummed me out. But uh, and the other one was just like ridiculous as well. Like, yeah. so. Well, people get people get really sensitive. And I have a hard time with it because I do, I teach, you know, part of what I do for a living is teach carving. And I don't, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine being upset at someone for doing a version of my carving. It's always like, oh, cool. That's sweet. I'm glad they did that. That looks nice. Good yeah, job. I guess to be, to, to back that up, the only time that I've ever been offended that someone did something of mine yeah. was when it was an exact tutorial. <laughs> and they were selling them as one of a kind original pieces of art. Oh yeah, that just seemed kind of gross because yeah. that was a step by step. It might as well have been a paint by number, right? Right. And then original. I mean, it was original to their hands because <laughs> they made it. But yeah. Right. But otherwise, no, absolutely not. I always give thumbs up and good job and nice work. So yeah. But yeah, that is true. If somebody's making something, you're right. I'm kind of feigning kindness here because I've felt upset with people before who are like students of mine or copying my work. And it's so obvious they're taking the style, you know, the, the design for me and taking it, posting it, you know, latest work in progress, you know, hashtag carving original one of a kind Oak, right. O O A K. Uh, that does, that does kind of piss me off. Okay, well, there, yeah, there, there, there. We found something that's uh, like so. Just because you're doing realism, it could be the look, or the subject matter, or you know, like that. That that right. is that's where you would be more original, incorporating the realism. Well, it and I don't know if you think about it this way, but only recently have I started to think about my artwork as having some sort of intellectual value, intellectual property, right? Yeah. But what I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking out loud while we're talking, which is makes for great, <laughs> great <laughs> podcast material. But I'm thinking, so on your school, you have a carving you call brothers, two yeah. faces looking at each other. I can see someone, if someone copied that as their own and they called it brothers, that, that is the <laughs> same thing. It's the same thing as stealing yeah. an ear or a, or a way to do a, a mouth. Yeah. Right. But again, if, you can't claim one face, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. So I, yeah, I should just stop talking because it's a. No, but this is, this is good because you do that. You, well, you do this in your videos. Like you, you did a wood spirit video and you spent a few minutes at the beginning of it saying all these things about how you learned from, from this video that I posted. Yeah. And that was completely unnecessary. It was very nice, but you know, so you're putting your money where your mouth is there. If you learn something from somebody and, and you do a tutorial video based on it, you're always tagging the person, giving them full credit. And, you know, to your credit and, you know, and my credit, hopefully too, I'm always talking about, you know, Ron Adamson, whose carvings were the ones that inspired me to do what I'm doing and the Ian Norbury's and the, you know, the countless and the Ferris's, the countless guys who have made me, you know, better at what I do just from having looked at their stuff. So. That's yeah, important. and then at the end of the day, 
whoever you look up to probably looked up to somebody else right <laughs> right yeah. so it's yeah i guess it's uh it just goes full circle eventually yeah but i really like this idea i love i love the idea of getting at originality by virtue of just trying to tell the truth and what that looks like for a carver you know you have your reference photos and i'm often telling students this if you are carving a face carving a particular individual the best thing that you can do is to have a reference guide a front view and a side view at a minimum and a three-quarter view hopefully in addition to that but staring at that really a mentor told me lauren siffering a great painter said you got to spend more time looking at that reference photo than you do the carving that you're working on and once you get that image burned in your brain it's almost impossible for it not to express itself in in a nice way in the carving that you're working on even sometimes without having all the skill there so that act of kind of imitating you know and trying to trying to represent if you will the quote-unquote truth but yeah but that's again yeah it's apples and oranges because your truth is not the monkey on the unicorn's back in someone's mind character (laughs) Right. Your, your truth is there in front of you you have a you have something that you know copy you want to recreate on wood right whereas the character is like uh it was so exaggerated yeah. so there is no truth in, in well, fact the, it's, for, it's purposely misleading in a clownish way <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing like going back to the com- comedian analogy who is it was it seinfeld that said that like your job like the joke is when you're when you're lying right it's like you could tell the story but the funny part is usually a lie yeah but you but the irony of it all is what you're getting at usually in a joke is some sort of truth that we're all we all understand yeah right it could possibly be yeah yeah so anyway we're getting really fancy yeah highfalutin now but well one of us is <laughs> I, uh, you're the one talking about your truth and my truth and well yeah but my truth are so my, woke my truth could be a guy with big giant baseball mid hands right <laughs> <laughs> but no the, think about like the fred codger like there are a lot of great carvers like codulo who are doing those carvings with realism but they're characterized to me, that's like, that's where you start to get into some other worldly level when you can incorporate realism and caricature and learn how to exaggerate. It's like the musician that learns all the structure. They're formally trained. They know they, they're, they can play by ear and they can read music and then they can just riff. I mean, they can just creative. It's almost like they're bending time. It, carvers who can kind of bend time with their shit with the shape they can kind of stretch shapes elongate parts but within the boundaries of of anatomy but then also stretching it to communicate something those guys are the ones that make art that blow my mind yeah yeah so no it's a yeah no it's a that's a good uh, it's a good subject and i think the end of the day is you're it's inevitable that you're not going to take bits and bites to create your own style that's just the way it is right yeah yeah so so what what have you been up to oh wow 
Uh, well, you caught a little glimpse of it the other night on one of our uh, FaceTime calls, but uh, I, I got that video out, I think, a couple of videos back where I said, what basic tools? It was called a knife and, and this is just for the, uh, not for the bark carving, or this is just for like the characters and stuff. And I was trying to, I made a video knife and, because most of my tutorials had been knife only, but it's really not the a package. Like you wanna, if you wanna move out of the flat plane, you need to have the gouges and, and whatnot. So I made that video and uh, I, I've been kind of putting myself to the test lately because you caught me uh, just basically clearing off my desk yeah. said, and uh, really just downsized. And I just got a small handful of tools here left. I packaged all this other stuff up that I showed in the video and telling them at the same time that uh, you don't need all this stuff. So mm. I just uh, put them all away and I'm just going to try and work with a small handful of tools and uh, practice what I preach and see how it goes. But uh, it's ridiculous how much I packaged up. Yeah, and you're, you're right in that it's usually better. I actually have a harder time with all the tools that I have against the wall. I mean, you can see part of them in, in the, if you're watching on YouTube. If you're on the podcast, the wall behind me is covered in tools. Yeah, if anything, it makes life harder because I'm sifting through, you know, a hundred different tools on the wall to try and find the one that I that I need or, uh, or want. Well, I don't know if we've ever brought this up in in one of your podcasts or not. Maybe we did, but I I'm really headed towards, but nowhere near. But I want to be uh, more of a minimalist. Mm-hmm. in every aspect of life like right. uh like all my my socks are all the same my underwear is all the same i have right. 12 the same t-shirts yeah. the only color i get is come fall when i can change my flannel shirt i like imagine and now i'm not uh, imagine a, a woman with a eight foot closet what am i going to wear today right it's it's the same thing as having a whole desk full of tools when you just have, you have the basics, and, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a handful. You don't right. need all the other clutter. It just makes, it takes longer, really. Right. If you know the tools, like the back of your hand, then it's so much easier just to grab exactly what you need and using your tool in different ways. You could, the, just the way that you turn your gouge or hold it on the side or cut it upside down, right. could replace the four tools. Right. Just by using each tool differently. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's evidenced in the students that come to my workshops and they have bags and bags and bags of tools and they don't know how to use them. And they're not actually some of the worst carvers I know of are the ones that bring the bags and bags of tools to the class where there's, I don't know, eight tools in the roster required. Yeah. But I, I, I understand that because when everybody starts out, it's the same as it doesn't matter if you're a golfer or a fly fisherman. If you think you want to be the best, you need the best equipment right. or the right. And that's just, that's just uh, human nature. Right. But I always said like uh, simplicity is always on the other side of the complexity of collecting, you know, like you, right. Unless, unless it's a necessity that you can only have afford two tools you're going to have to work, you're going to have to make your own way through, make your own path through the tools 
to come back on the other side with this is my favorite you know what i mean your your first knife normally is not your favorite you think you have to try them all at some point right so yeah but anyway that was uh that was a fun little exercise but i've been uh, i've been fairly busy i haven't done a lot of carving to be honest i've got uh my one little secret project i'm working on a video and this is the first time ever I've really been trying to really drag something out and not try and burn through it in a day and a half. So I have a, it's just going to be a real fun little video and I'm just doing little bits and bites here and there, which is uh, kind of refreshing actually, just to take little, little pieces off it. But on the side, then I did a little uh, pine, pine, uh, my brother has a sawmill and we milled up a bunch of uh, pine logs, red pine. So it's a, a lot knottier, not not nice like uh, white, really knotty. And uh, I managed to get a nice few sections out of it. And I, I did a wood spirit in it, but didn't really show anybody just for, for fun. Do you <laughs> but, have, uh, do you, can you show us? I can show you how far I got. Yeah. But that doesn't make for good audio. Yeah. Well, I'll describe it really well. Well, it's just, uh, it's just a lot harder. I'll show you from a distance. That's all. It's a, That's nice. Well, it's just, it's a different wood. It's so much different, even than the white pine. Mm -hmm. A lot harder to carve into, but anyway, what was fun for me, though, on the weekend was I got my old dog back. My, uh, so if you knew me years ago, I always had uh, Finnegan and Gilligan, that little rat dog, Gwen, is just yeah. the just new in the last couple of years. But I always had Finn and Gill, Finnegan and Gilligan. And he's a Gilligan is a, a chocolate lab. Aww. And I had him, I'm not sure if I had him here for nine or must be nine or ten years at least. And uh, when my daughter got married, she mm -hmm. was the closest to him. And at that time he had become kind of furniture that we were kind of stepping over and she asked if she could take him. And I said, you know what? take him so anyway i got the babysit him but now he's over 13 years old and he was just i think it what was good about it is probably is my goodbye to gilligan weekend because he's just riddled with the uh, cancer mm. and it's just kind of fun he's lost a lot of weight and oh. you just see all these little uh lumps and bumps in him and yeah so is he at your brother's he said uh, my daughter's your daughter's my daughter took him with her. So, uh, yeah, I don't expect that uh, I'll see him next time. <laughs> He'll be long gone. But right. uh, he's had a, a great life. And uh, it's just fun to see something. I never had a dog for a whole lifetime. Either I got it midlife or, uh, you know, something happened or got run over. But uh, to see a full life, because I have pictures of my little chocolate lab Gilligan in my canoe. A cute, cute little puppy, eh? and to see him at old age, all gray and white, and wow. full of cancer and stuff, and it was uh, it wasn't sad. I was happy, but you know, but uh, it was different. Yeah. So, but huh. even helping him go up and down stairs, I was like, "Oh, you old fella!" You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It was just a. It was a. It was a very surreal, weird experience. But uh, anyway, that's the circle of the pets, right? yeah it's the circle of life yep yeah my dog passed away i went out of town 
for a carving event and boy i think uh yeah the dog died and my parents told me when i got back home and, and the day after i got in a serious car accident and broke up with my girlfriend all in the same what three or four days and i felt like i was living a country song i was just gonna say you just <laughs> You just stopped everything and started writing country music. Yeah, that's right. I did. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was sad, but I don't, I don't know that I cried. I think a lot of people get, you know, so attached to their dogs and I can see how it happens, but my parents took care of that dog for me for the, uh, for the end of its life. Cause I moved out and, but he was a little Bichon poodle mix he was a nice little dog tell me it was white and fluffy too no he was a uh, black he's probably 25 pounds so oh i, the, I thought bichons were they're white too though, right? they are they're mostly yeah. white but that poodle that poodle in him made him okay. black mm. yeah yeah no uh, i mean the dog right now like finnegan that's the best dog hands down i've ever had in my life hmm. yeah and people would think you're you're an awful person, but you know what? You go to the vet now. If there's something happened, you're looking at thousands of dollars. Thousands. People are are doing chemotherapy and all these things. You, you got to draw a line. And uh, like I said, he's he's my buddy, but uh, he ain't my buddy for five thousand dollars. He's still a dog. Right. And I would rather like like I would rather. Uh, give my money to humans to keep them alive you know yeah <laughs> this is gonna be terrible for podcasting oh i know we're about to get torn oh, apart oh we're gonna get killed but that's too bad yeah well, that's okay. you know. i've seen uh, i've seen humanity at its worst and starvation and uh yeah. and no water no food no nothing and it's just we're just so spoiled like this so it's true it's a uh, yeah we better, I'll, I'll leave it there but like i said until you've seen people starving you you choose people over over your dogs any day yeah so right have you been uh watching anything or reading anything or listening to anything good well as usual i don't watch a lot of stuff but when i do it's usually after 10 o'clock at night so i'm always in a I never want to watch anything too serious, but it's funny. I was, uh, I got into, uh, I don't even know how I start, how it started because I would never search this out on my own, but you ever see those videos on YouTube where like, uh, voice teacher or vocalist reacts to yes. such and such a video. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I went off and I watched so many of them and they were fantastic like i really actually started liking them right I, I got this one favorite guy i couldn't tell you his name but he would always get excited like he wasn't there's two there's two uh types the one vocalist is high and mighty and nothing is good enough right the other the other kind of guy that's like this is amazing and that's the guy i like yeah he got you can watch his face just just beaming and getting more excited as the as the notes stretched in the the power of the voice it was just so good and yeah. uh i probably watched 20 videos in a row like that it was so good but 
there you know my there's a great quote from an art, a writer named donald miller he said uh something along the lines of we learn to love things by watching others love them first yeah i can see that that's fun that's a good one yeah but this guy was just beam you know the old uh, one of the ones that i probably watched well four or five different people react to was there's a song remade it's a simon and garfunkel song from the probably the 60s i believe it was the uh, the sound of silence and it's remade by a band called disturbed which is like a heavy metal crazy band right. in the past but they yeah. remade a simon and garfunkel song and it's it is it truly is amazing and the the range that this guy has in his voice coming from a metal band like yeah. it just wasn't expected like he's got piercings in his face and, <laughs> and it's just beautiful <laughs> and uh yeah it was just fun to watch that so nothing uh nothing what too was serious it? what was it though what was it? who's the artist uh disturbed disturbed it's it's, it's probably five years old now yeah. but do disturb the sound of silence yeah. He brings in, uh, so he, he does it uh, solo or as Disturbed the band, but he also brings in, uh, oh, I can't think of it, Miles Kennedy. The live version? The live version. He brings the in Conan? Oh, yeah, here it is. Yep. The this one's a Miles Kennedy one. With 5G oh, the Miles Kennedy one's the best. Get you a brand new phone. Don't play Don't anything, eh? You'll yeah. get copyrighted. But the uh, the Miles Kenny ones are my favorite. He's got the the he's the, he's the Garfunkel to the. Uh, I'm gonna save this. Simon. <laughs> this is a. Uh... Huh. So anyway, yeah. What have you been watching, or what have you been reading, or doing, or? There's a guy who's kind kind of controversial because he was involved in some uh, some sort of a. Uh, some sort of legal allegations with some girl, but it got, they, it got worked out and the guy took a year off of music, but his name is, uh, what is his name? The, their band is Pine Grove. And I think they're over, uh, they're East Coast guys, but they write amazing music, like incredible music. Like when I hear his voice, um, he had, like you talk about originality. He has a certain way of inflecting, uh, and it's almost this uh, signature to his singing style. It's a lot like Bob Dylan, but in that he's not like the best sounding voice. It's not like this warm baritone that when you listen to it, it's like, wow, that's a lovely, calming voice. But when you hear him, it's like, it gives you chills. And he put out a new song today. So it's called Orange. It was a nice song. Yeah. So I, I was listening to that on repeat a few times and, uh, Otherwise, mostly listening to uh, mostly listening to him, and then just whatever Google decided to play at. You know, when, when I yelled at it to play music while I was working in here, I think it played some Bon Iver. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Yep. Yeah, I never knew how to say it though. I would I would read it like Bon Iver or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, bon he, that's French. It's a French word, so yeah, your wife would know. Yeah. Huh. But uh, yeah, that's basically it. Otherwise, I've been pretty tame, like you say. Mostly YouTube videos keep me up at night before I go to bed. And I mean, that's just been endless uh, TV reviews, uh, 
uh, I'm sorry, YouTube reviews of gear. I don't, I look at gear reviews now with, you know, I'm not even considering buying the gear. I just enjoy watching the YouTube videos about it. Oh yeah. Reviews. I don't know what there's that is. There's two, like, I'm happy most of my day, but my two favorite times of the day are when I drink my espresso in the morning. In fact, I wish I could relive that all through the day is yep. drinking that first two sips of espresso. Yeah. But then I never want to go to bed at night because I'm on some tangent and it's yep. getting later and later. And I know I got to go to bed. Oh, just one more, just yep. one more, just one yep. more. Cause I work till like whatever, 10 o'clock. And yeah. then it's just the last couple hours of the day. But meanwhile, by the time I get to bed, I got to get up five hours later, start the day <laughs> over. But then I'm happy to get up because then I get my coffee. Yeah. But there's a spot. <laughs> there's a spot in the day. Well, between one and three is like, man, I'd be so much more productive if this was three hours ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah it's, it's hit a, a real wall. Hard not to do that. It's just hard. You can't. You can't have it all. Yeah. But you know, it, think about all the things that you've learned from you. I mean, I wouldn't be carving if it weren't for YouTube. Right, right. And I actually, listening to last week's podcast, I was reliving some of the thoughts about uh, having to go to an encyclopedia right, to get your knowledge. <laughs> and how many things I've looked up this week yeah. without even seeing a piece of paper, right. just Googling and searching them out and, and the information, any whim, anything you think of. Because another thing that would happen when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want to research this. It's not covered in the encyclopedia. Right. What? You know, yeah. now you just speak it and uh, it'll be covered somewhere. Right. It'll be there free for the taking. So, yeah. Well, I did get on a tear. I told you this last show, but I, I've gone on a pretty decent tear of watching your uh, bushcraft videos. And those are diabolical, man. Not only are they entertaining, they're, they're so long that i mean i could literally eat the entire day of watching your but where did you learn all the stuff that you know about outdoor well, life and well here's the the truth of the matter you probably haven't seen any bushcraft videos on my channel oh really because, yeah you just saw me camping and carving adventures yeah oh. yeah the, the real bushcraft stuff was a channel even before that which i ended up deleting that was more like a, like the skill stuff like the friction fires in the but but you're watching more of the adventures but mm. that so what you've been watching no that's that's my that's my favorite thing to do yeah <laughs> but what was the sorry i missed the what was the question yeah that's true i guess in most of those videos i guess bushcraft is defined by you know making it with as little materials as possible right yeah like uh when you when it, someone pulls a lighter and lights a fire it's like blasphemer <laughs> you can't you can't light a fire with a lighter <laughs> you know go go find two sticks and uh make a uh, bow drill yeah <laughs> so, yeah so this is much more relaxed yeah right i thought you were gonna but say what, something else when you said go find when, when you started on that that go uh it scared me a little bit. I, yeah, no, no. I, yeah, that, but where did you learn about bushcraft? And like, how on earth did you get? 
because I was thinking about it, not in a million years would I have thought to go out in the woods and try and survive. Like I grew up in the country. I liked to camp. I liked watching Survivor Man growing up. It was one of my favorite TV shows, but well, there that's usually the, that's my buddy's my buddy joe that was his trigger to get him out was <laughs> watching survivor man <laughs> but i grew up like i said on a hobby farm we had a, a big chunk of bush and that was our playground yeah so we were always making forts <laughs> excuse me we yeah. were always out making forts and stuff and that just progressed from there right and to, to take things farther and farther so but there's lots of pioneers and old books and stuff long before us that would always inspire. And then when you get into like a, a forum, like Bushcraft USA is a forum at one time, I think it had 30,000 members. Well, then it was just feeding each other and challenging each other to take next step farther, 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 farther. And then came YouTube. And then you started making videos showing, otherwise it was just little pictures. <laughs> and then it started just evolving like that so then i guess there's a bit of bit of competition then too and uh we did uh lots of uh challenges i guess you call them and you get little uh little badges you know like a lot of the army packs and stuff have velcro and you can get little uh badges for what level that you achieved on this list of uh, all these things to do really and yeah so that's how you kind of developed all the skills and at the end of the day, you just use what you needed when you're <laughs> actually in the bush. So, yeah, that was a fun time in my life. But, uh, yeah, like I said, people change. You can't do the same thing forever. In fact, I, watching those videos now would bore me silly. Because <laughs> it, it's been, you've done it so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. So, well, that's how I feel about a lot of carving videos, too. But I enjoy yours because they're, maybe it's because, uh, your videos are not on the topics that I deal with. So it almost doesn't right. feel, it doesn't trigger me in the yeah, feeling like bored. I like watching most, most carving videos. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like even today for a while, like I watched a, a Kevin Coates video. Yeah. In between things today. I love watching his videos. He doesn't say a word. Huh. He just, just shows by doing. Right. Yeah, I guess I, I get caught up in it when I start, but I don't seek them out anymore. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of that, that home screen on uh, YouTube. They've got oh you gosh. dialed in, man. They that's know scary. what you're, somehow they know what you're thinking and what you want to watch because it's amazing how many times I click on recommended videos. Yep. It's better than, better than my mind. Like, I, I don't know what I want to watch as well as suggested videos does sometimes. Yeah. Well, the, and the YouTube experts are, are telling you now, don't even worry about your subscribers. We'll take care of the views. Like the, the subscribers are not the gauge anymore. People mm. don't even subscribe because they know that what they want to watch will be put in front of them. <laughs> they don't have to seek out people to follow. YouTube right. put them in front of them. So it's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's scary right. that they can get into some algorithm and figure you out. Right. But that said, at work not too long ago, I was asked four questions, and I, I can't tell you what the name of the test was, but it was like a personal uh, uh, evaluation. And by answering four 
simple questions, they came back with a list of things of personality types and what I, how I would react to this or that or whatever. And it was bang on. It was perfect. And they said they developed this algorithm by testing the same questions over 40 million times on people. And then I'm, tell, I'm telling you, as I said, what kind of voodoo are you guys doing here that you got all that from those questions? Because it just nailed me perfectly. Not in a bad way. It just was, yeah. this is who you are. And I'm like, this is exactly who I am. Yes. Do not tell me what to do. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, it's those things are pretty good. I think a lot of folks, actually certain personalities I've heard are more, uh, per, they have a propensity not to like those sort of tests, but, and I don't know if that's me, but I, I don't particularly hate them, but I don't spend a lot of time. Oh, I would never search it out. Them. I was just asked to do that. It was right. kind of like, like a team building thing to see yeah. strength and weaknesses to, for the perfect complement each other. You know what I mean? Like, but it so is I pretty went, weird that they can make those profiles. Yeah, it was amazing. Like it, there was nothing wrong, like nothing that wasn't true. And pretty, and not and not just uh, generic things, like pretty profound, like this is you. Like yeah. it was uh, really interesting. <laughs> so, but. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like you wonder how much of, uh, well, there's a lot of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? the the mind reading stuff like the the crystal ball type stuff it's like a lot of that is like visual emotional cues you know like asking open-ended questions learn you know and a lot of those people i imagine who do that are incredibly astute perceptive like just little twitches and yeah 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 well it's amazing that uh we just killed an hour yeah it is pretty uh it's pretty amazing so well let's uh let's uh give out our uh email address yeah it's coffee and carving at gmail.com and you can feel free to send us any discussion no, no it isn't coffee what? and carving show oh. at gmail.com see coffee and carving show at gmail.com link in the description how's that how about it <laughs> yeah and feel free to send us any uh topics to discuss or ideas or uh well feedback is always appreciated but we know uh we're getting there we're uh We'll have a good rhythm soon and uh, we'll figure this thing out. So don't need too much uh, criticism. We're just trying our best. <laughs> be nice. Just be nice. That's yeah. Everybody be nice to each other. But uh, yeah. So thanks for watching everybody. Yeah. Thank you guys. And, and listening. Sorry. I'm on video mode, but thanks for uh, listening. And uh, we will be back again in one week for another episode. Thank mm -hmm. you.